Well, praise God. Get your Bibles out this morning, church. And if you would go to Proverbs chapter 14, so we're going to start out this morning. Yeah, it's kind of wild, isn't it? Christmas is here, and what a year it's been. I heard a person the other day on the radio, and they said they were visiting with a friend of theirs, and uh, that the friend said, yeah, 2020 has been an interesting year. It's hard to believe, but every day was worse than the one, you know, in the past. And, and I thought, that's kind of a hard way to think about it. And so anyway, I was praying about this, and, and, I, and I got this word for you this morning. Proverbs 14, verse 4. It says, where no oxen are, the troughs clean. But much increase comes by the strength of an ox. In other words, you know, as much as we want everything to come easy, it's not always going to come easy. Can I have an amen? amen? Sometimes it takes the strength of an ox to bring the promises of God to pass in your life. It really does. We know God wants to bring it. We know God wants to do it. But sometimes there's just stuff in the way. And I was thinking about this person that this radio commentator was talking about. If you woke up every morning thinking that this day was worse than yesterday, and, and then tomorrow is going to be worse than today, that's a terrible way to live, right? That just brings total and complete depression in your life because, you know, how, whatever hardship you walk through today, well, then you're thinking it's going to be worse tomorrow. I mean, man, who wants to get out of bed? Have y'all ever had one of those days? You know, I had one here a while back where, you know, I got up and then I started through the day. And then it was just like I said, man, I think I'm just going to go back home, go to back in the bed, start all over, take my clothes off, get in the bed, you know, and then I'll, you know, get up and start over. Maybe it'll maybe things will work different. I just got up wrong or something. Ever had one of those days? Everything seemed to be going wrong. But, you know, the thing is with God is you've got to understand what the promises of God for each and every one of you, are to benefit you and to prosper you. If you'll just give it a moment and you'll just back up and let God work, he will work. Amen. Hello? You've got to have the confidence to know God is on your side. He's going to get you through it. Amen. You know, you may see some smoke and some fire and it may look bad and it may be look like they're going to throw you right in it and you're going to, oh, how are we going to get out of this? But when you're in covenant with God, you know that he's a faithful God. He's going to get you through it. I cannot tell you how many times I have watched the news and then they said, Lord, there's no hope. And then I said, what am I talking about? Oh, yeah, you don't know what they're talking about. Man, I'm on God's on my side. He's a shade. He's a, uh, the shade at my right hand. He's, the, you know, covering me with his wings. I don't know how it's going to work, but bless God, you're going to make it work out right. Amen. But it takes the strength of an ox. It takes that endurance to keep going. The trough is not always going to be full. I never forget uh, Sister Dodge. She was a, just an awesome lady, a, a, a woman of God here in the church. And she was, I don't remember, she was in her pushing into her 90s. And she'd been a missionary all over the world, done everything, and listened, you know, and preached the gospel all her life and, you know, raised, what, 11 children? And so in the mission field. And so, but she wasn't all, but, you know, I don't think she made five foot. I think she's like four, four ten. Yeah, a little bit thing. And I'll never forget one night we had a service, man. It was a, I mean, we were, smoke was blowing. I mean, God was moving. It was just a 
Holy Ghost service, and she came up to me, and she got me by the arm, and she said, Pastor, I just want you to know when, when God's moving like this, he said, you just need to get all you can, because it's not always like this. And I thought to myself, I was a young whippersnapper just getting going in the ministry, and I thought, yeah, poor sweet little old lady, you know. Maybe that's the way it was for you, but that's not what it's going to be like for me. I'm living in the glory every day. I'm rising up. And then, you know, it was a few years later, I thought, that lady had a lot of wisdom, knew what she's talking about, you know. But it takes the strength of an ox. And if you're not willing to fight and you're not willing to endure, I want to tell you something, you're going to end up with a clean trough and nothing in it. Hello? Look at the person beside you and say, you got to fight. Now, I preached a message Wednesday night uh, on Ezekiel 22.30 that you just need to go listen to about uh, God searching for somebody. I want to read the scripture. Let me read it to you. It says, so I sought for a man among you who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. And he said he's looking for God was looking for a wall, somebody that would stand in the gap of the wall. Well, the wall is the wall of righteousness. Now, you can go listen to the whole message and get it all. But the wall is a wall of righteousness. It's all the righteous acts of the saints, everything that the saints have done that eventually is going to be judged by Jesus and looked at. All the righteous works that have been done make a wall. But every now and then there's a breach in the wall. Every now and then somebody got out there with their chip and hammer and chipped a hole in the wall. And then the enemy's coming in. All right. Now, all the things you've ever done. See, folks, you don't understand the way God moves. You're thinking unless you were Billy Graham and held a a great crusade and saw thousands of people get saved, it really didn't do any righteous acts. But no, everything you've ever done, every everything good, everything that you've ever done that's nice, every time you had a sharp tongue to cut somebody and you didn't, every time you could have cheated and you didn't, every time you could have lied and you didn't, every time you stood on the principles of the word of God and said, no, I'm going to believe you, Lord. I trust your word. You were building a wall, a wall of righteousness in your life. That's what you've been doing, building a wall of righteousness. And every now and then the enemy breaks in the gap. And we got to stand in the gap. We got to be people that are willing to fight for the word of God, for what we believe in, and stand in the gap and say, oh, no, 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 no. You're not coming through. You're not coming through. All right. When you know the fox is in the hen house, you're willing to get up and go out and get him out and shoot him. I mean, we're country folk around here. We can talk like this, you know. We know exactly what we're talking about. We got to build a wall, but it takes effort to build a wall. Walls just don't get built like easy. It takes effort. You have to do it. Listen, in this time right now that we're in, do not get weary in doing good. Man, folks, it's Christmas. It's a time to do good. It's a time to be a blessing. All right. I know it's crazy. I walked in a in a store here, uh, not here, but I was off. And first thing, you got to get a mask on. And I thought, man, that's just a heck of a way to greet a person when they walked in the your convenience store. Just made me mad. One just knocked something over. And I said like that. Now, Robert. Where is the goodness in you? And come on, build some wall. I just preached the message, you know, so I was kind of, pastor had to say, do what he's supposed to do. And I was just like, oh, yeah, build a wall of righteousness. I said, okay, yes, ma'am. 
But I wanted just to knock something over and say, yeah, clean that up and walk out. That's why I have to come to church. <laughs> That's why I have to be here. God looked down and said, we've got to call that boy to be a preacher. He ain't going to make it if he doesn't have to go to church every week. Now, let me give you another one. Proverbs 14, 12. It's, I've got a bunch of scriptures out of Proverbs 14. Look at verse 12. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is a way of death. This scripture of all scriptures throws the fear of God in me. Because the bottom line is, I don't want to be doing what it seems like is right and find out it wasn't right. And one day I was praying about this scripture. I said, Lord, this is what really bothers me because what if I'm doing this and, and it really wasn't? And, you know, well, and he just stopped me and he said, is it in my word? Does it line up with my truth and my principles? And if so, then you're going to be going the right way. I gave you a book. I gave you a manual. I gave you something to follow. I gave you a life of Jesus. I gave you and put him down here, my son on this earth, to show you a way to live and to be. And if you just walk like that, you can't get over in what's wrong. I said, oh, that's, that's good, Lord. But there's a lot of people today on earth that feel like, what they're doing's right. But the problem is, it's not based on truth. Let me give you another scripture here, okay? Now, I'm changing from Proverbs. Go to Ecclesiastes 1. Let me show you something here in Ecclesiastes. Solomon, the wisest man in the world, he wrote this in verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 12, excuse me, Ecclesiastes 1, 12. He said, I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I set my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom and concerning all that is done under heaven. This burdensome task God has given to the sons of man by which they may exercise. I have seen all the work that are done under the sun, and indeed all is vanity, grasping for the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be numbered. So you first read that and you're like, oh, oh, nothing, I, nothing I can do is going to be right. No, what he's saying is anything you, you're working on that's already being built on a crooked foundation will never be straight. Never be straight. You cannot build on an unrighteous foundation. Now listen to me, church. I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir this morning, but just hear me. You cannot build on an unrighteous foundation. In other words, you can't, you can't steal from somebody and then build on that, and it's going to work out profitable because God's not going to allow it to profit because it's built on an unrighteous foundation, and we're to be building walls of righteousness, and walls only stand when there's a good footer. So you can't build on... An unrighteous foundation, nor can anything that's crooked ever get bent back straight and work right. That's what Solomon says. He says, all of the world, the worldly ways, listen to me, how many times, I mean, if you just look at worldly ways, people step on people to get ahead, people cheat, people lie, people steal, people steal elections, people steal all kinds of things. And then you want to try to build on that unrighteous foundation. It's on something that's bent. It can't be made straight. 
Can I just say a few more things? Communism's not right. No way you're going to ever tell me communism's right. Okay? So then the, 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 the watered-down version of communism is socialism. Okay? Because they tried to take the bent foundation of communism and they water it down. We'll straighten it a little bit. We'll just call it socialism, right? So then if you have, you know, socialism 2.0, supposed to be the improved version that everybody thinks we should be living in, it can't work because its whole thing all the way back goes to a bent foundation, a bent rod. It's not right. So you can't improve it. You cannot improve something that's bent. How many of you guys know if you've ever had anything, a piece of metal that's bent and you try to straighten it, you can put it on the anvil. You can whack it all you want to. You can get it semi straight, but it ain't going to be straight. It's going to have a bubble. It's going to have a. Oh, I can straighten that. You get it. And you bend and you, you heat and you bend and you beat, you know, unless you're going to take it to a milling machine, you're not going to get there. Right. You can beat on it all you want to, and it's not going to be straight. You cannot build on an unrighteous foundation. I've said this, and I'm going to say it again this morning. I, I'm not trying to be political. I am not for, I'm not about Republicans and Democrats and this and that and the other. I'm just telling you, you cannot have a stolen election. You cannot have an election that has fraud in it, and then think that you can build off that and it be right. That's just the principle of God that I'm showing you here this morning. It can't work. I don't care who's the president. I don't care which way it went. If Trump would have cheated, it'd still be the same thing. I would still be standing here this morning saying, you cannot do that. That's not right. You can't say, well, you know, it's just our turn. We deserve it. It ain't going to work. It can't work. It's going to falter. Because even Solomon in all of wisdom says, if it's bent or crooked, you can't make it straight. So think about your life. Now let's get it down to home. Oh, you've been lying to your husband. I've been lying to your wife. <laughs> See, I had y'all going so good. I just suckered y'all right into that one. It works both ways. We can stand around and point the finger at the election and say, oh, that's wrong. But what are we doing? You see, folks, we got to be building our foundation no matter what. And it's got to be a righteous foundation. You still are called to be a Christian. You still are called in the midst of adversity. And because everybody else is a thief and a liar does not give us the reason to be a thief and a liar. Hello? You see, America doesn't need to be changed. America just needs to get back on the path of the righteous foundation it was founded upon. That's all it needs to do. We need to get all this other stuff off and just say, no, we're going back to the righteous foundation. You can only build on this foundation because this is the only one that's going to prosper. Does it need to be changed? Does it need to be new and reinvented or anything of this nature? It needs to go back to the foundation of righteousness. So I'll get you mad and then I'll go back. I'll set you up for another sucker punch. So uh, I've heard that, that part of what Congress is 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 saying they're going to do. That's not a bill yet, but the Congress is wanting to amend the uh, Hyde Amendment. And you may not have ever heard of the Hyde Amendment, but the Hyde Amendment is an amendment that was put in by the Bush administration to say that no federal funds would be used for abortion. 
None of your tax dollars would be used for abortion. But now they're wanting to repeal the Hyde Amendment because they need more money. And so I just thought to myself, I said, folks, this, it, it hit me so hard. Why, why don't we build on a righteous foundation? And if you want to use tax dollars for something, why don't you use it to educate people, to stay on a righteous foundation? Why do I want to have to put, have tax dollars go towards something that's only going to damage a person's soul? Again, you're building on a bent foundation. You're building on a crooked foundation. Proverbs 14.31 says, He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, but he who honors him has mercy on the needy. In other words, he who's going to oppress the poor. Folks, it's, it, that, would be doing, that would be oppressing the poor because they don't understand what's going on. They don't understand the damage to their soul. They don't understand what's happening. But if you really want to bless them, well, then you need to honor God and you need to bless the needy and you need to help the needy. You need to help the people that are hurting. Amen? The righteous thing to do would be empower people, not bring damage to people's soul. But see, people don't want to admit the gospel works. People don't want to say, no, the gospel works. Then how come we got a little Wendy there who was raised in the streets and in a horrible life and you educate her and you teach her about Jesus and you, you bless her and you love her. And then she's the you know, co-valedictorian of the school and she's got a, a, a great life set before. You, don't t- you cannot tell me it doesn't work. You cannot tell me the gospel doesn't work. Guatemala and the orphanage down there is the greatest thing that you've ever seen to see. You take a kid out of the dump who was eating trash, who had no life, had no anything. Yeah. And you bring them in, you love them, you clean them up, you teach them about Jesus. They give their life to Christ. You raise them in a Christian environment. You bring them to the place that they can know him and walk in his ways and learn how to build righteous walls. And they end up like this. It's it's unbelievable. Just because they had a chance because somebody loved them. Are you all with me? Folks, that's why the world's so crazy right now, because they want to do they don't want to mess. They don't want to deal with God. They want God out of the picture because they don't want to be convicted because they want to build a wall like they want to build a wall. But isn't it better to walk up to somebody and say, you know, you need to mix a little more concrete than that. That wall isn't going to stand. Isn't that love? Isn't it love to walk up to somebody and say, I know you're trying to do what you're trying to do, but it, it isn't going to be successful. A person said something to me about, about marriage and talking about this and that. And I said, listen, don't, don't talk to me about marriage. I've been married for 41 years. I'm going to be 41. I said, I know the ins and outs of marriage. You're not going to tell me you're going to reinvent marriage. There's only one way to do it and live it for Jesus. Okay, so let's go back to Proverbs. So we got to get the world looking to, we got to get people to understand they got to be building righteous walls. There's no other way. You got to, we got to teach people how to be builders, builders of life, builders of governments, builders of of, of everything that there is, of countries. It's got to be built on righteousness. It cannot be built on fraud. Proverbs 14, 26. The fear of the Lord. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Folks, the place that we have to start with is people have to start having a respect 
and a fear of God. I'm not talking about fear of God like, oh, he's going to get me. I'm talking about knowing that he's right and you're wrong. Isn't that simple just to say it like that? Just to know that he's right and you're wrong. So what does it really mean to fear the Lord? Okay. And I want to put it real simple to you. Like I said, it's not shaking in your boots. Oh, God's going to smoke me. He's going to fry me right here. Oh, you know, no, 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 no. If I don't do this right, bad things are going to happen. No, no, that's not really the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the first step is to lay your life down at Jesus's feet and acknowledge that he is the only truth. That's really the first place of the fear of the Lord. Say, Jesus, you're only right. So think about this. If that's where you are in life, then wouldn't every decision you're going to make, you're going to go to him and ask, is this right or not? You see, what's happened to a lot of people in the world, there's a lot of people out there, they're good people. And they have a good moral compass of right and wrong. But the problem is, until you acknowledge Jesus and everything you're doing, you're still only working in your own worldly ways. You know, they don't talk to Jesus about business. They don't talk to Jesus about health. They don't talk to Jesus about truth. They don't talk to Jesus about anything because they do that. And then they go to church on Sunday because they believe in Jesus. And then they go their way. And then they go back to doing it. They're back into the driver's seat. Hello. Y'all looking at me funny here now. Come on. Cut me some slack here. But it's the truth. There's a lot of people there in the driver's seat and Jesus is in the back seat. And they're not chauffeuring him. Right? They're not being a chauffeur. They're not, he's not sitting in the back seat telling them where to go. They're going wherever they want to, but they put him in the back because they didn't want to listen to him. But they wanted him there in case something went wrong. They wanted him there in case, you know, they had a flat. But John 14, 6 says, Jesus himself said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He made a statement saying, look, there's only one way and it's me. And I'm the only one that's got truth. So it's not a, as an option to be discussed. Think about that. It's not an option to be discussed. A true, making Jesus truly the Lord of your life means you gave up that right to question him. You're just actually saying, Lord, how do I apply it? That's what's walking in the fear of the Lord. How many of y'all have ever had something that you didn't know how to work it? And then you had it for a while, and then all of a sudden, one day, it was like a revelation came from heaven. You're like, oh, I didn't know it did this. Hello? The other day, I was riding in the truck with my son, and his truck and mine are similar. His is a little newer than mine. And, and so I, I got to notice it on his little display there, it was showing like the direction, like north, south, east, west, and it was showing like the road where we were driving and everything. I said, real? I said, huh? I said, does mine do that? He said, of course yours does. And I said, how? He said, well, I don't know exactly how your truck works, but you know it does it. And so I got out there, played around on my little screen till all of a sudden I hit the navigation deal and I hit this button and hit that button. And then all of a sudden, whoop, there it was. And I was like, oh, look, mine does that. <laughs> I drove it for two years, didn't know it did that. I'm serious. I've had it for two years and didn't know if I pushed that a set of series of buttons that it would come up there and show me what road I was on, which direction I was headed. That's pretty sad. I was still looking at my phone going, and it would do it right there. 
Took about three clicks, and I was in. But I didn't know it. Well, some people are like that with Jesus. They've never stopped to ask. They just keep doing the same thing and asking him to change it. When he's over there, click it, you know, three times, and you can have it. And they're saying, why doesn't this stupid thing work? You know, some of us are just button clickers. You know what I'm talking about? If you don't know how to fix it, you just keep pushing the button over and over again. Like that's going to have a signal sent somehow, like in the programming, hitting the button 26 times as fast as possible will make it work. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about now. Yeah. And that's the way we are in our, in our relationship with Jesus. We're just trying to make it work because it's what we know. Come on, Lord, do something. Instead of sitting back saying, Lord, okay, wait a minute. This is your ways. How do I do this? Would you teach me, Holy Spirit, what I'm to do, how I'm supposed to operate in this, how I'm supposed to love my wife, how I'm supposed to raise my kids, how I'm supposed to build a wall of righteousness. Lord, I believe that you've got the right answer. Will you show me how? Now you're walking in the fear of the Lord. But when you're out there saying, oh, I know how to do this. You better watch out. Second thing is, it's out of Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Matthew 6, 22. It says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Man, the second thing you've got to do in life is you've got to get your eye right. You've got to get your focus right. You see, my focus is set on heaven. I believe with all of my heart that there is a hereafter. I believe with all of my heart, my eye is set on heaven that I'm going to leave planet Earth someday and I am going to go to heaven. I'm not going to be stuck in a grave. I'm not going to die like a dog. And there's nothing. No, I am going to go to heaven. And when I go to heaven and I step across the streets, I want to step onto the streets of gold. I want to step into heaven. The pearly gate's going to open. St. Peter, I guess, is going to be there. And I'm going to meet Jesus. That focus is in me all the time. I am never, I'm never not focused on that. That my life that's flickering away. Holy cow. I can't believe how it's flickering away. I mean, it's gotten to the point now. I've, grown, I've gotten to the age now where when somebody says, well, he was older, I said, how old? Oh, man, you know, he had to be like 55. And I'm learning the perspective. I'm already to the age to where I'm listening to the 20s and 30-year-olds when they say old to know that they mean me. <laughs> and I'm realizing that the people like me are talking about old as the 80-90s. Hello? And so that's a... Complete different. I've learned, I've caught that so many times. They say, yeah, he was, I don't know, he's pretty old. What was he, 55? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Coming from your perspective, that's right. But you're wrong. But in this short life that I was finding that just now, how did I get to be 60 or 59? How did I get to be 59? I'm just almost, how did I get here? And I'm just sitting here saying, whoa, whoa, this is going too fast. I mean, whoa. But I have my focus on eternity. He said, well, that's, I'm, headed, I'm headed to heaven fast. It's a roaring train down the tracks. I didn't realize that. I thought it was slow. But it is a, my life is a roaring train at full speed headed to heaven. 
But you've got to keep your focus right. Because if you get your focus on all the stuff going on, all the problems, oh, I can't believe they did this, I can't believe they did this, listen, your focus is in the wrong place. And depression is going to come upon you because your eyes not focused and your eyes is going to start to look bad. Then everybody's a thief. Everybody's a liar. Everybody's a communist. And they're all not communists. There's 70 million of us at least. Good red blooded Americans who love Jesus. Are y'all following me here? You got to get your eyes straight. Get your eyes focused. He said, if you keep your eye, then your hope, the darkness is going to go away and the whole, your whole body is going to become full of light. So you got to, the second thing is, if you're going to walk with Jesus, you're going to build walls of righteousness, you have to keep your focus. All right. The third thing, Matthew 6, 24, it says, no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he would be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, a lot of times preachers will preach this as mammon as money. And listen to me, I want y'all to make as much money as you possibly can make. I want y'all to become the most wealthiest entrepreneurs or win the lotto. I don't care how you get it, just as long as you tithe off of it. Because we got orphans to rescue and kids to feed, and we got things to do. But I'm not against money, all right? But this isn't saying can't serve God and mammon. If you go look up the word mammon in the Greek, and you really see what it means, it means wealth, yes. But it means wealth. And all that goes along with wealth. Okay? In other words, Jesus said a wealthy man, it's hard for him to get into the kingdom of heaven. Be easier for him to go through the eye of a needle, a camel to go through the eye of a needle. What's he talking about? Because when you have wealth, you're not asking God what to do, you're just buying what you want. So the mammon he's talking about here is not just dollars, he's talking. When you get it in your hand, then you become king and you do what you want to with it and you buy what you want to and you live how you want to and this and that and the other. And, right. I'm not saying we need to look like paupers, but I'm just declaring what, what, what it is, is you become selfish and live a self-centered life sometimes when you have money because you don't keep it under check in submission to the power of God. Hello? And if you're out there and you're listening and you're wealthy and you're convicted right now and you need a place to give, box 533, Utopia, Texas. Well, make sure you get some righteousness built in your wall. Y'all with me? It's not, not ha- it's not that you got to stay away from money. Get cash. Just be honest with it. Serve God with it. Hello? But you can't serve two masters. You're either going to have to let God be the one that's in the driver's seat and you're with him doing what he wants to do, or the only other option is serving your own ways, your own self-centered ways. Are y'all following me? All right. The fourth thing is, y'all don't seem to like that one too much. Let's go on. <laughs> the fourth one is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5. Last, the, the verse 5 says that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. There are wise men. There are people that know how uh, uh, to do things, right? But I'm not going to put my trust in the wisdom of men, but I'm going to put my trust in the power of God. The reason why we out here don't like government much, the first reason is because we don't want anybody to tell us what to do. 
because that's why we're from the Lone Star State and we have pioneer blood in us and we're viciously independent. Hello? And just y'all coming to church, submitting to even listen to, to the Spirit of God here is a big step. And me telling you, you got to do what Jesus says. You know, as long as he's doing what I want him to do. But Paul said here that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Folks, listen to me. We're in a day right now. And I'll be honest with you. I don't trust the wisdom of man. Because there's too many political agendas behind everything. So I'm questioning everything. And I know that that sounds bad, but I am questioning everything. All right. I'm saying, why are you going to do that? Why do you want to do that? Have anybody ever stopped and thought for any length of time why we want to bring in immigrants and, and why we want to give out free green cards and we want to do all that and put those people in a business? Y'all ever sit around and just really thought about why we would want to do that? <clears throat> Think about it sometime. Goes back to the same old thing I've always said it's money. Because of unions. Costs us too much. So bring in the person you don't have to have insurance on and all that kind of stuff. And then they make more money. Because I've told you this whole thing it's about power and money. That's all this whole thing is about power and money. Okay. So you've got to have your faith in God. Make sure your faith's in the right place, is all I'm saying. Make sure your faith is not in a political party, is not in a government, is not in, you know, your strength. Make sure your faith is in the right place. It's in the power of God. Hello? Look at the person beside you and say, make sure it's in the power of God. Now I'm going to finish up here, since y'all seem to be tired and want to go home. <laughs> Psalms 112. Go to Psalms 112. Y'all got roast on your mind. I just want y'all to know what we're getting ready to do. Shortly, we're going to have, uh, we're, 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 because of the broadcast, we're bringing in more, we're getting in more cameras so we can have different angle shots. And one of them is going to be put right up there. Oh, yeah. And they're going to make cuts and they're going to show the audience and show your faces. And I'm telling you what, everybody's going to say, hey, I saw you in church the other day. You were asleep. <laughs> is y'all not happy in that church? Why were you just sitting there looking at the preacher? If I have to be up here, you have to be up here. We're all in this together. So just get ready with smiles on because it's coming. Psalms 112. Now I'm going to, I want to, this, this, this is the greatest, this is one of the greatest Psalms, Psalms 112. It starts out verse one. It says, praise the Lord. Bless the, blessed, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Okay. This is what I'm talking about. Who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. Do you see that because the person had the fear of the Lord, it affected his children and his children's children? Do you see that? So what you're doing today will have an effect on tomorrow. Do you hear what I'm saying? What you do today has an effect on tomorrow. Okay, it goes on. And he said, the generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house and his righteousness endures forever. Not only what you're doing today affects tomorrow, but it carries all the way through to eternity. You see, just think of this. If you want to use your sharp tongue to slice people up. But if you stop, just stop before you didn't. You thought, wait a minute, I'm trying to walk in the fear of the Lord. 
And what I'm going to do is going to affect eternity. I've told you all that story so many times that uh, it was way back when, when you just started to start using credit cards for gas pumps. And uh, I went in and, and, and went to fill up, put my gas card in there. Oh, by the way, have y'all got seen the new gas pumps now that they, it wants you to leave your card in there? Uh, that thing getting irritating. When I was over there just about to kick one of them the other day, it's like, what's wrong with you stupid thing? And then finally I looked at it and it says, read the instructions. Oh, leave card in. Oh, okay. Because, <laughs> you know, it's always the machine's fault. I could not be wrong. Anyway, so I stopped at this convenience store to put fuel in my vehicle, and, uh, and it wouldn't take my card. It wouldn't take the card. And then I read the little sign that says, you know, after 10 p.m., they didn't take the card. And I was like, that dumbest thing I ever heard. Why can't, you know, what's the big deal? So... I went inside and I was miffed and I threw my credit card down and said, I won't fill it up. So just turn the pump on. And so went outside, filled my vehicle up, went back in. The whole time I just got madder and madder and madder about it. And so I was going to go in there and give the clerk peace of my mind. And so I walked in there and I looked and the little girl had tears in her eyes. And I was like, man, you're already crying. I hadn't even got started yet. <laughs> and she said, are you, are you Pastor Robert Richards? And at first I thought, what, did she have a word of knowledge? And I thought, oh, you left your credit card, dummy. She said, look at your name on the card. And I said, well, yeah, I am. She said, oh, I listen to your broadcast all the time. You've ministered so much to me and my family. And I'm like, oh, God, if you knew what I was about to say. And I just had to, you know, thank God I didn't say it. <laughs> thank God I'd held my tongue. But those things build righteous walls, folks. And it affects eternity. If I'd have gone in there and tongue lashed that little girl and she'd have known what it was me and that would have, could have, oh, holy cow, it scared me so much it almost stopped me from doing it. Almost. Because I still think about it now and then when it happens to me again, you know, so I said almost. Almost broke me that night, but I've come close a few more times. Anyway. It says the generation upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house. His righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light in darkness. Folks, when you're building a wall of righteousness, when this is the way you've chosen to live your life, there may be a moment of darkness come in, but I'm telling you, just wait, the light's going to get turned on. And there's no darkness that can overcome the light. Hear what I'm saying to you, church. There's no darkness that can overcome the light. I'm telling you, communists cannot defeat Christianity. They've never done it. They're trying to do it. They're trying to snuff it out. And the more they push down, the more it grows. You're not going to shut the church of the Lord Jesus down. I don't care what virus is, 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 is there is. You're not going to shut it down. Jesus is light's always going to overcome darkness. Darkness never overcomes light. You've never been in your house with a light zone and it got dark outside and they went, you couldn't see. Darkness will not overcome light. No matter how dark it is, strike a match, you're going to have light. It's not going to overcome you. But you've got to be building walls of righteousness. You've got to be walking in the, in the fear of the Lord. You've got to keep your focus and your eyes on. You've got to use the strength of an ox to walk in it. Because if you're not, folks, you're so vulnerable. And, and if you're just walking along in the world trying to get encouragement from watching, you know, television, you're, you're vulnerable. The enemy's going to come in there. He's going to psychologi do psychological warfare on you. He's going to get you to turn. He's going to steal from you. You're going to become depressed, and you're going to say, you're going to give in and say, oh, well. But now these are days to fight with like the strength of an ox and say, no, what I'm doing has eternal results.
Okay, it says, a good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. Here's another eternal reward. Everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. Everybody say established. He will not be afraid. I like this last part. Until he sees his desire upon his enemies. I'll be honest. I don't want to see. I don't want to see anybody hurt. I just want to see everybody saved, full of the Holy Ghost. Are y'all following me? I just want to see. Our president served Jesus, love God. I want to see our Congress rise up and go back to the foundational roots it was always in. I want people to quit taking God out of public school. I want people to quit taking the Bible and, and stepping and trampling all over it. I want, to, I want to see, I just want, that's all I'm asking. Not asking for a lot, I don't think. I'm not asking for them to, to, to support me. I'm not asking for them to give me everything I want. No, 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 I just want you to serve God. I just want you to read your Bible. I just want you to know what the book of Psalms is, not palms. <laughs> not asking for much. He is dispersed abroad. This man that's building a wall of righteousness, he's got so much that he disperses abroad. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Folks, Go read Psalms 112 over and over and over again and see what benefits it is for you to be building righteous walls, for you to be building righteous walls. His horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked see it and be grieved. He will gnash, he will gnash with his teeth and melt away, and the desire of the wicked shall perish. That's been my prayer so much that the desire of the wicked right now on the face of this earth will perish. That the desire of the wicked is not going to get a foothold. It's going to blow away. Amen? Amen? You've got to be walking and building righteous walls. Now, I just laid it out. Easy, simple. Just four things you need to do. But if you do those four things, I'm going to show you. It brings eternal results. So not only your children and your children's children and your children's children's children are going to be blessed, you're going to affect heaven. It's going to have an eternal weight. Amen? Amen. So how many of y'all want to start building walls? Yeah. Now, I felt like the Lord told me to tell y'all this. There's so many of you that you don't even know how big a wall you've built. You may think your wall's a little bitty. But I just want you to know, there's a lot of you in here who have been building walls, and you will be shocked to know how big your wall is. Hear what I'm saying? You, he, he, you would be amazed to know how big your wall is that you've built for the times in life that you did what was right, not what was wrong. For the times in life you held your tongue, for the times in life you blessed somebody, for the times in life you, you, you reached out, for the times in life you were good. I'm telling you, from, from a long time you've been building walls, and they're really, really, really good walls. Hello? So don't think you're short. This message isn't a message about, isn't a message of discouragement. This message is a message of encouragement because I'm telling you, you've been building some walls, but we've got some gaps and the enemy wants to flood in and we're not going to give up building. Listen, I'm not giving up what we've built. Hear what I'm saying. I'm not giving up what we've built. 
You think you're hiding behind just a little rock wall, but you don't realize it is a fortress. And one little mouse got in over here and is eating on the feed sack. That's what's going on right now. We've not lost America. Church, listen to me. We have not lost America. I don't care what communists say. I don't care what communists want to do. I don't care what's going on. I don't care what they say. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. And you're going to say, well, they do that. I'm going to do this. And they do that. And I don't, we're not losing. Folks, listen to me. Darkness does not overcome light. And greedy men are going to find their demise. And we're going to stand and we're going to pray. And we're going to face the adversities of life. We're going to rise up. We're going to be Christians. We're going to know that God's behind us. We're going to quit asking, say, God, why is this happening? Why is that real? No, we're going to say, hey, we're your servants. What do you want us to do? Want me to build on that wall or what are we going to do? All right? And you're going to make it. We're going to make it. Hello? Look at the person beside you and say, we're going to make it. Amen. Well, put your Bibles up and if you would, stand up. For those of you out there watching today, can I have my prayer team come down, please? For those of you out there watching today, listen to me. If you're out there and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, you've heard this message today, you tuned in. God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, got you to listen this morning and you heard this. Listen to me. You've got to build your life on truth. You've got to build your life on the foundation of Jesus. There is no other foundation to be building on. Right now, I encourage you to give your life to Christ, to just turn right where you are and say, Jesus, come into my life. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you gave your life for me. I want to build my life on your foundation and begin to pray like that. And the spirit of God will touch you right there where you are. And he will save you, wash you, forgive you of your sins and make you right with him. If you're in the building today, that's why we have a prayer team up here for we can pray with you. Now, maybe you're not you're right with Jesus and you just want prayer for somebody or yourself or something else. And you just need some agreement. Here we are. We want to pray for you because I believe with all of my heart that prayer works. Amen. But if you're in here also and maybe you're being questioned, maybe you're sitting here saying, you know, I have been kind of a rascal and I haven't really been building my life on Jesus. And I have been just kind of doing what I wanted to. And he is in the back seat. Maybe I need to get out of the driver's seat and put him up front. Well, then we're here to pray with you. We're here to pray with you. So don't leave this building today if you're not sure you're right with Jesus. I'm not going to give a, an altar call and try to this, that, and that. No, I'm just telling you, come to the front. Do not leave the building today if you're not sure you're right with Jesus. Time is too short. Time is too short to be messing around. Amen? So look at the person beside you and say, are you right with Jesus? And if that person hesitates and doesn't say anything, not sure, well, then maybe you need to bring them down here to the front and pray with somebody. But I want to pray over you all right now. Father, I just declare in Jesus' mighty name that in this room and in this building, Lord God, and those watching and viewing all over the world, I just declare, Lord, we are going to walk in your righteousness. We are going to be building walls of righteousness. We are going to live our lives as Christians, going forth, believing and trusting in your word, believing and trusting you, keeping our eyes focused on you, Jesus, keeping our hearts right with you, letting you, Lord, drive the car, not us. And so, Lord, I just pray over them this morning. I ask you to bless them. Bless them, Lord God, and let them see their eternal righteousness of the wall that they have been building. And Lord, I praise you for it. Bless them all, Lord God, in Jesus' mighty name. 
Amen and amen. God bless you, church.